Now today, I want to pick up on a theme that I really began last week. It's called the return. The return. Just as we are returning to the building, just as our nation is returning to back to business, God, I believe, is speaking to us about what he has for us. And it's great news. In many ways, the promises that God gave the returning exiles, those who had been exiled out of Judah because of God's judgment on the land, were later being restored back to the land under a new season of God's grace and God's goodness. And I would like to draw some parallels between the returning of the exiles way, way back then from Babylon to the return of exiles, you returning to the building. And we're really uh, a long way into that process. What I believe that God is promising us is a totally fresh start. A totally fresh start. Now, the Bible says, Zechariah 1 verse 3, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Often when we quote that, we say, Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. But the Bible here says, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Twice, God affirms that both aspects of this return will be from him and will be ironclad with promises from him. Return to me, says the Lord. In other words, God's call is for us to have a fresh start by returning to the Lord, and none of us today can say we don't need to do that, uh, uh, because we want to draw closer and closer to God than ever we have been. But the God who says, return to me, is also the God who gives us an ironclad promise, I will return to you. And one of the promises of the return is God's presence. There are many books in the Bible that speak into this season, this time in the history of God's people. One of them is the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was one of the noblemen. He was one of the priests that was removed from the land very, very early on in the early stages of the exile. And he lived throughout that whole period and saw, saw visions of God, God's glory being restored and God's nation being restored. But when he was looking at those visions, it was not just that God would bring people back to a physical place called Jerusalem, but a spiritual place called the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And this was all about God's presence. And he finishes his whole book, 48 chapters. Um, I think it's a fantastic book. Sometimes it's hard going, but you read it all the way through. 48 chapters, and the very last verse of the very last chapter, he says this, Ezekiel 48, 35, 
and the name of the city from that time shall be Yahweh Shammah. That's where it comes from. The Lord is there. That's one of the names of God. You've got the Lord is my shepherd. That's a name. The Lord is my healer. That's a name. The Lord is my provider. That's a name. The Lord is with me. I will be there for you, says the Lord. And that was a great promise. The returning exiles, not only would they be involved in building the Jerusalem, uh, rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple, also God would be getting busy building the new Jerusalem and, and the, the, the wonderful extension of those physical promises into the promise of God's everlasting presence when he finally re returns to this planet and changes everything so that his presence and his glory are not only central to the whole of this planet, but God's glory shines through a renewed heaven and a renewed earth on into the eternity which is to come. All of that is in this promise. The Lord is there. And this means that whenever you pick up God's promises for restoration and return, God promises to be there for you. He will be there for you. Now then, whether we are talking about uh, God's promises of, of, uh, of his presence and of his blessing, so many things flow from this period when God is restoring his people. Uh, and there's so much to speak about. Last week I mentioned quite a few, but one thought has been with me throughout this whole week. Thinking about God's return of the exiles back to the land, they would return under a glorious revelation of his grace and mercy. They will, will have left under the cloud of judgment because they were expelled from the land after successive generations refused the warnings of the prophets to return to the Lord and not to turn to other gods and not to turn away from the one and the only and the true and the living God. And so they left under a cloud of judgment. But God says that judgment is over. Now you will return under a cloud of the glory of my grace and my presence and my forgiveness. And one of the passages that speak about this is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Let's have a look at it. It'll come up on the screen for you. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The double in this culture is the receipt that you get when the debt has been paid, when the price has been paid in full. The double folded over, nailed down, stamped, 
debt completely paid. So God says, you went out under condemnation, but you're coming back under the glory of my grace and my forgiveness. Verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God is saying, I'm going to remove every obstacle. If there are any valleys that need elevating, any mountains need humiliating, any crooked places being made straight, any rough places, they will be made smooth. For nothing shall stop my coming to bring you the blessing of my glory. And when you return, you're going to see day after day manifestations of my glory and of my power. And it is because your iniquity now has been pardoned. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. I'm saying it like this today. God is promising you a fresh start. Just think about that for a moment. A fresh start. What that means is the old stuff. You know, the kind of stuff that is a bit like baggage, you know. It's like me when I travel. We haven't been doing a course since lockdown. I take more bags than I need, and I travel with so much baggage. But God says, in this business, I don't want you to carry baggage. The baggage from the past, let it go. Listen, leave it in lockdown. That's what I advise you. Leave it in lockdown. For when we come back, we, well, there won't be any time to be saying, he said, she said, what about this person, that person? No, 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 no. Forget it, forget it. Revel under the fact that God is giving you a fresh start. And I'd like to suggest to you this. Give each other a fresh start. How about that? How about that? That would be great. Now then, I want, I want to speak to people today who may be watching. You've, you've never personally accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you never knew you had to. You say, well, Christians believe in Jesus. I do, sort of. But listen, there must come a time when you say, Lord Jesus, I, I want you in my life. Why? Why? Because he is who he is, of course. He's Lord. He deserves that you acknowledge that. But also because he promises you a total fresh start. I can't think of anything more amazing than God, God, not your doctor, not your dentist, not your social worker, not your prime minister or politician or even your pastor. But your God says, I'm giving you a totally fresh start. I'm going to take it all away, everything that you're worried about, the stuff that burdens you, the things that you feel bad about and guilty about. 
I'm going to remove it all. And you know, that is how you begin the Christian life. You receive Christ as your Savior. But you know, it doesn't end there. Because every single day, God gives us all a fresh start. Just as sure as his mercies are new every morning. And I think that's one of the healthiest states of mind to be in. Yesterday is gone. Thank you, Lord. Maybe I made mistakes. Maybe I did stuff I shouldn't have done. But Lord, today's a new day. And I, I, I want to start with, with a fresh, a fresh blank sheet of paper. Isaiah chapter 40, as I read, speaks of a certain kind of forgiveness. I would call it blanket forgiveness. It's the absolute forgiveness of God. There's no rhyme nor reason to it. We can't actually analyze it. But they were sent away in judgment, but they were restored by the grace and forgiveness of God. If it was to do with what we deserve, we would always be in exile. But because of the grace and mercy of God, he brings us back, having left the baggage of our lives back in lockdown. He says, speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Your warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. This was not just pointing to the fact that God had decided that the 70 years were up, that the judgment had been exacted, and now he could bring them back to the land. This goes way beyond any physical presence in any physical part of the world. It points to one spot, one spot in history where Jesus Christ as Messiah was lifted up on the cross to pay the price for the sins of the whole world so that we could proclaim a gospel. Your warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. Jesus Christ forgives you. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, give him a praise. Give him a praise. Now, I believe this, that when we return, and we are in the middle of a return, we are maximum capacity downstairs, the first time in the balcony, a few people, and, and, and gradually, we're not pushing you, we're not pushing you, you come back when you, when you feel ready, uh, but do come back, because great things are going to happen right in this place when we're all back together, and one of them is this, God is going to give us all a fresh start, even as a church, it's going to be different. We're going to say, do you know what? It's the same good old KT, but there's something different. There's something new. God is bringing some new things, and God is giving us a new start. We will not return the same as before in lockdown. Why? Because God has been working in our lives. I know he has in mine, and I'm sure in all of you, this hasn't just been sitting at home waiting for the lockdown to be over and then we'll pick up our lives as if they were on hold. Not at all. God is holding us, but our lives are never on hold. God has allowed us to go through lockdown, but his, his work of his spirit hasn't been shut down in our lives. He's been drawing us and refining us and speaking to us and purifying his people. And I believe the people of God will return to a renewed situation, renewed people, in a renewed situation, in a new season, 
freshly cleansed, newly reconciled, and brought in to be under the comfort of God himself. So, keeping the paper blank. Are you ready? And that's the issue for me. We know forgiveness of God is at the heart of our Christian faith. And just as Isaiah proclaimed, there is a once-for-all blanket forgiveness from God. It's a once-for-all total forgiveness, past, present, and future. It's totally objective. It has nothing to do with us, nothing to do with anything we've ever done or ever will do. It is God's gift of forgiveness that happens to us when we become believers. Romans 6, verses 6 to 8, speaks of this. He uses two examples. Paul is talking about our salvation. uses two examples. Abraham, God said to Abraham, uh, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. And then he takes exhibit B, David, and verse 6 says, David also speaks with, of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. He quotes the psalm, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Isn't that amazing? God says, no matter how many sins there have been or even, listen carefully, yet will be in your life because of Jesus Christ and the grace of God at the cross, no sin will count against you ever again. Who can condemn you? Nobody, because God justifies you. You know what that is? That's a once for all blanket forgiveness of sin. It's a bit like the opposite of what was true of us before we came to Christ. Before we came to Christ, we were living under the blanket condemnation of God. And of course, that related to individual deeds, but even, even, even so, it was a blanket condemnation upon all those who are outside of Christ, who are born in sin, and who are falling short of the glory of God. And that's like a kind of domain. And the miracle is, is that Jesus takes us out from under condemnation and places us under the forgiveness of God. And there is a total forgiveness. Past sins, present sins, future sins. Every sin you will ever commit from now is under the blood of Jesus. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean by that? Well, think about it. How old were you when Jesus died for your sins? 25? 18? Nine months? You weren't even born. When Jesus died for you 2,000 years ago, all your sins were future. But God foresaw all of that and put them on Christ so that you can go free. That's what it means to be born again, to be saved. And this, it means that you will never face the consequences of your sins standing before the judgment throne of God. No condemnation. Jesus has finished it. 
He's paid the price for it. But my dear brothers and sisters, there is more to forgiveness than being saved. There's more to it. Because even as we are in Christ, totally forgiven, so we must walk in our daily lives a walk of forgiveness. This means two things. This means bringing the sins that we know we've committed day by day, knowing that God will not condemn us, will not be judged for those and thrown into hell. Jesus has paid that price. But we bring this to our heavenly Father and say, Father, forgive me. I didn't do what I should have done today. Lord, you know, I... I've, I have not honored you in this. And as you talk to your heavenly father, so you enjoy a relationship with him, not just an official standing, but a relationship with him that matches your standing. I tell a story like this. All right, suppose I have a 17-year-old son and I have just got a brand new Jaguar. I'm talking about the vehicle, not the animal. A Jaguar in the driveway. My son has just passed his first driving test. I've got him an old Ford Escort that is choking itself to death. It needs really to be thrown on the scrap heap. But at least my son can, you know, enjoy his first drive in his own car until he graduates to a higher model. As he goes out the door, he says to me, Dad, can I please take your Jaguar? I say, no, son. He asks me again, can I take your Jaguar? I say, no, son. I close the door, assuming that he's got the keys to the old Ford Escort. He creeps around the back, gets in through the back window, picks up the keys to my Jaguar, goes out the front and drives away in my Jaguar. Half an hour later, there's a knock at the door. And a big policeman standing there holding my son by the scruff of the neck. This was before the modern rules about no physical contact. And I look over the policeman's shoulder, and there on a tow truck is my Jaguar, looking as if it had hit a lamppost, for indeed it has. I put two and two together and see exactly what's happening. And the policeman says, sir, is this your son? First of all, my first inclination is to say, I've never seen him before in my life. But no, I remember. This is my son. And I say, yes, this is my son. So we get the story straight. Now, when we go inside, is he still my son? Will we have something to talk about? Yes, we will. And that's like our relationship with God. God wants us to live in openness with him. And so walking in forgiveness means confessing our sins. Some people say because all your sins are forgiven, you don't need to confess your sins. But they don't know the difference between objective forgiveness, this blanket forgiveness, and the day-by-day -day forgiveness that we must walk in and experience before God. And it is linked to something else. This 
You've got to learn. You've got to learn this. This is a lesson. And it will set you free if you learn this lesson. Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. He begins by saying, Our Father. Now I emphasize that because this is a family prayer. It's how we talk to God as our Father because we're his sons and daughters. This isn't how I get saved prayer. This is for people who have entered the family of God through faith in Christ. Then one of the petitions is this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Okay, we pray that easily. But then there's a little commentary that's tagged on to the end of that prayer and Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus said that. Check it out. It's in the red. So what he's saying is this, if you don't forgive others their sins, God will not forgive you your sins. Now clearly it's not talking about how you get to heaven. Of course not. This is a family prayer. This is talking about parental forgiveness, not judicial forgiveness. This is talking about subjective, practical, day-by-day -day forgiveness. It's not talking about whether you are under condemnation or not. This is spoken to those who are, who, with whom there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for us. We're in Christ Jesus. But he does say, you will not enjoy the full blessing of walking in freedom and forgiveness if you withhold forgiveness from others. Now, this is what I'm asking, you know, uh, and I, I'm telling you why. This, this week I had a, a bit of a, well, I, I will call it a revelation, but it was more like a, a realization, just in picture language, exactly what this is. And I'm going to show it, show it to you in a moment. But throughout this week, as I've been thinking about this, and I began to think, well, you know, Colin, I don't hold anything. I don't hold any resentment. I say, God bless anybody. If somebody is not nice to me, God bless them, Lord. If you can use a brick, better, better for that, you know. But in the meantime, it doesn't. I, but actually, I was finding myself going back and thinking. And after a while, I was looking to find people that had offended me so that I could forgive them and enjoy the blessing of forgiveness. It almost went the other way. Instead of holding on to resentment and the bitterness of resentment, resentment will keep you in lockdown for life. But God wants us to be released so we return to the building free from the burden of unforgiveness, free from the burden of judgmentalism, free from the burden of finger pointing at other people, judging other people, but rather rejoicing in the freedom and liberty that our sins have been forgiven and that we extend that forgiveness to other people. It really is liberation. And God wants us 
liberated, to be liberated as we return. And I don't think of anything, I can't think of anything that will more surely open heaven to us than if we return to this building in a spirit of love and grace and forgiveness, reveling in the forgiveness that God has given us and enjoying extending that forgiveness to anybody in any situation for any time in our life has hurt us. So here it is. Let me illustrate it for you. I have uh, brought two books here today. They're rather fancy books. And um, they're, they're kind of like ledgers. All right? They're kind of like ledgers. So this one book, it's entitled, Forgive Us Our Trespasses. The other book is entitled, As We Forgive Those Who Trespass Against Us. Now they're kind of like ledgers. Now in this one, Forgive Us Our Trespasses, what's written here? All the things, all the sins I've committed against God. Now in this one, is written all the things, the sins that people have committed against me. So what does God tell us to do? Father, forgive us our trespasses. You bring him the ledger, the list of all that you've acknowledged. And by the way, ask him to add. Because he sees more than we see. And, and usually this book is full of writing, full of writing. And you say, Father, forgive me for my trespasses against you. And then you immediately go to the other book and you see in the other book the list of all the things... That people have sinned against you. And you say, Lord, forgive them. Then you go back to this book. And you notice that the moment you say, Lord, forgive them, all the things written in here disappear and the pages are blank. Absolutely blank. And you go back to this book and you realize that as you were forgiving people of the sins that they committed against you. God was erasing the sins that you committed against him. So you walk around with two blank books. That's what I mean. A blank sheet of paper. And this is, I'm not saying it's easy. And you know, if you, if you were to look at the real copy of me, in real life, you'll find some smudges here. You'll find some stuff there. But what we are called to do is to walk in such freedom and liberty that we forgive others what they've done against us, whatever, without 
expecting them to dance to our tune, dive through hoops or anything like that, but just extend in the same way that God extends his grace to you, you extend your grace to others. And I believe that that is the spirit in which we shall return to this house. When we look at everything that's happened to us, those who've offended us, look at all the things that perhaps we ourselves have become convicted about, about our own behavior. God will say, I will forgive you and I will restore you and I'll bring you back to my house full of grace and forgiveness. And there in that place of blessing where there is no barrier because of unforgiveness, God will pour out his blessing on this house in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yeah, go ahead, give God praise. Amen and amen.